Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast, the show empowering and educating people on how they can grow, manage, and protect their wealth through real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Bailey Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Kramer, and today we're joined by our very special guest, Mandy McAllister, to talk about small multifamily properties. Mandy is a multifamily real estate investor, mindset ninja, eternal learner, coach, and dot connector. Her passion is to help others define their path to financial freedom through syndications, coaching, and her platform, Aspiring Woman Achieving More. Welcome to the show, Mandy. Hey, Bailey. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on. And an awesome topic today about small multifamily properties. I know you have a ton of experience in it and a lot to share with our listeners. But before we jump into that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got here? Sure. Yeah, you got it. I I mean, I feel like everybody uh, who's been bitten by the real estate investing bug has had some like epiphany of, oh my gosh, I'm not in control of my time if I'm exchanging my hours for dollars. And, you know, both of my parents growing up were self-employed. My dad's a farmer downstate Illinois. So shout out to the, the corn and soybean farmers out there. Um, but I mean, this, this kind of entrepreneurial thing has kind of always been in my blood. Um, so I, you know, studied a lot. I listened to as many podcasts as I could. I read as many books as I could. And then finally in 2016, I, you know, started buying small multis and that has kind of been my formula to, you know, figure out what it takes to not need a day job. Awesome. And can you just define for the listeners what small multifamily actually means? Is that a duplex? Is that a, you know, for you, is that a 40 unit? Can you kind of describe what small multi means for you? All of those things. (laughs) Uh, So I, I started with a fourplex. I think, you know, um, if you listen to a lot of the, you know, guru talk stuff in this world that we're in, you know, they'll tell you, go, go hundred, buy 400 units. That'll be, you know, find a good deal. And then the money will fall. Well, you know, that's not the right formula for everybody, you know? And if you only have one voice at the front of the room, you know, that's what you think the one way to go is. Right. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that. You know, you can be this incremental investor. You can start with a duplex, you know, you can live in one side and run out the re- the other side. I wish I would have, if I have a lot of regrets in life, <laughs> But I sure wish I would have done that in my 20s, you know, so um, I started with fourplexes and I'm, you know, buying in the 50 ish range now with a a joint venture partnership. I would say that in this world of multifamily, people would probably say under 75 units or for sure 100 is a, a small multi, but all of those things. Right. Okay, great. And I just want to touch on one thing you said about I wish I started with the duplex. Mm-hmm. The, the best quote I've heard to date in real estate from one of my mentors is think big, start small. So mm. it's like, it's so simple. People have heard, heard it before, but when you really think about it, it's like everyone's trying to crush their limiting beliefs of, you know, can I, can I do go bigger, go bigger? Mm-hmm. And that's great. And that's something that I, that I struggled with and got through. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the point where Okay, you could still you could still crush your limiting beliefs and think super big. Yeah. But you need to start somewhere and it's right. it's it's not bad to start small as long as you're thinking big too or maybe even you're not thinking too big from out of the gate, but eventually your mindset starts to grow because it's an mm-hmm. ever-changing thing. So just wanted to touch on that. 
Well, and sometimes if that goal is too big, it can be crippling. Like, how do you even go after a net worth of $10 million when you have a net worth of negative 250,000, do you know? So uh, one thing that we do at Aspiring Women in our accountability club that meets every Friday is we, you know, we have this North Star, exactly what you're saying. You have this North Star goal, which is your big thinking, but then we, we kind of workshop, what is that next right step? The only thing you need to concern yourself in terms of action is whatever that next right step is in the direction of that North Star. So exactly what you're saying. Boom. Yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> so can you kind of describe to us why small multifamilies? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why multifamily in general? Why not stick to the single families or why not go to the 200 plus units? Why, why, that, why that small multifamily niche? Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, it was kind of a happy accident that my first purchase was a fourplex. Um, you know, in that four, two to four range, that's a residential loan that you can get on it. If you're buying that as one of your first properties, you can get, you know, a great 30 year fixed loan on it for, you know, it's the best possible debt you can get if you're going to start small. So I, I think that that was, that was really great. I think you get, you know, you get scale. So you immediately, you know, buy one transaction and you get four doors. So, you know, if you think about that, if you, if somebody moves out of a single family home, you're a hundred percent vacant. If you buy a fourplex and somebody moves out, you still have three paying tenants, hopefully. So um, that, that I think is, is why I kind of push a lot of people to start with a small multi. And if you get into the five and up space, then the way uh, the properties are valued, it's completely different, you know? So if you're in a residential space, you can make your building, your, your house, your duplex, the most beautiful thing in the whole world. You can put the best finishes. You can, you can even move rents from $500 to $1,500. And the value of that property really won't change if the place next door is a real dump, you know, because it's a comparable method. And if you go five and higher, it's a multiple of how much money that property brings in, how well you run it like business. So that I think is super interesting too. And, you know, in terms of the getting bigger, um, the, the Freddie Mac small, 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 uh, loan program, goodness, it's, it's early. I haven't had my coffee. (laughs) Sorry. Um, so the, the Freddie Mac small balance loan program, you only need a a loan balance of a million dollars. To, to secure this non-recourse debt, meaning you're not personally liable should everything hit the fan, <laughs> right? And, you know, if you think about that, a million dollars loan balance, the purchase price would be roughly 1.3-ish. And you would, um, you know, if you're buying 75,000 a door, which is pretty common in some of these, you know, growth markets, right. you're looking at like an 18, 19 unit to potentially get the very best debt on a larger asset. So you don't have to buy a 400 unit in order to take advantage of all the stuff that for me makes multifamily really cool. Right. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that because there's, there's money to be made in, in all different, all different unit classes. But I like how you mentioned how you get kind of the same benefit of that non-recourse debt, which is super important for a lot of investors. And you don't need to have, it doesn't need to be a 300 unit apartment complex. You can get that five units and up. And yeah. kind of that sweet spot of the, the, the 15 to 20 units hitting that million dollar loan mark to, to secure that debt. I want to make another point on that too, because it, because there's so many gurus in this space saying go a hundred or bigger, right? Well, what are, what is everybody looking for? They're looking for a hundred units value add 
and bigger in like maybe one of a dozen growth markets that are happening in the US, right? Well, if everybody's looking there, then is everybody like, I mean, think about the competition there. So, you know, part of the reason that informed the looking for smaller stuff in Indianapolis when we're growing our footprint there is because, you know, how do we get what we need out of real estate, out of multifamily investing and give up some things such that we are looking in an alley that not everybody is looking at. So that kind of, you know, thought experiment, I think is really good for, for people to do. For sure. For sure. Can you walk us through your first deal on that fourplex and and how how long, how long ago was that? Yeah, that was, um, 2016. So I I closed January of 2016. My son was born February of 2016. So, uh, I, the way I looked at it, it was his college fund, you know, (sighs) because we would have it roughly paid off in, you know, the 15 year time frame. I put a 30 year loan on it, but we were paying uh, a little more with so that it would be paid off and I could put a new note on it and whatever that bucket of cash was would be his college fund. I wouldn't be paying taxes on it and I would still have a cash flowing asset. So um, I think that's way better than a 529. So that was the the purpose for doing that. But um, you know, what I can say about that, it was uh, by a college that's like two ish hours from Chicago where I live. And uh, you know, Chicago is a price prohibitive area. So I um, wanted to look in my backyard, so close enough to drive, but not not so close that we had these crazy prices. So right. I looked at schools. I thought, you know, kids are going to continue to go to college, like kind of no matter what, in my opinion. And um, uh, I looked at University of Illinois, I looked at Illinois State, and I looked at uh, Northern Illinois. And it just so happened, you know, the best school is University of Illinois, but the, right. the cap rates, there's a Big Ten school, like it was prohibitive to get into right. <laughs> Illinois state second best school. And they, um, they were tearing down a dorm so that it made sense to choose that market. And I also learned that, um, if I bought something that was not furnished and not furnished student rental, but in an area that a student rental would work well, uh, I could buy the bed and the desk and I could, you know, almost double rents. So I, I bought a, a fourplex that was renting for $450 a unit and then um, bought the bed and the desk. And now we rent for 805 a unit. So um, understanding the highest and best use of a property is, is really what could drive the value of it. Gotcha. And you knew the highest and best use because you kind of knew it was a college town or what, what, else, what else helped you understand the best use? Yeah. So another happy accident. Like I fell into asking, like, I'm not, I'm a medical device sales rep by, you know, day. And I, um, so I'm not scared to ask a question that's curious, but might come off as like uninformed. So I asked a bunch of questions of a bunch of people who would know more than me. And it just so happens that I was talking to a property manager who had branded themselves as for students right? So they knew from their exact formula, exactly what would work, exactly how much rent could be garnered, exactly which bed and which desk I could buy or should buy, you know? So in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm very pro when going into a new market, your property manager can make or break you. You and I have had a couple offline conversations (laughs) about another property manager that's causing me a little bit of pain. So whenever I'm venturing into uh, new markets, knowing a property manager, because they're your partner in this. Um, 
asking questions of that property manager is really what helps me figure out exactly what steps to take the next right step. Right, right, for mm-hmm. sure. Super important. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you were renting them, you boosted the rent, so student rental, you furnished mm-hmm. the place. What, 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 what was the layout of each unit? The, what, were they one bedroom, one bath? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. Yep. Which, uh, here's how I looked at that when I bought it. And here's how I look at it today in this world of COVID. Right. So when I, when I bought it, you know, student rentals, like to just by the nature of what they are, you can get a, a, a higher return on them. But you'll hear a lot of our fellow investors say, oh, student rentals, like the kids are going to ruin it. As I'm not doing that, the kids are <laughs> jerks, right? Well, but uh, okay, number one, not all kids are jerks. Number two, you know, how do I position what I want, you know, what I'm going to buy in order to get what I want, but also then avoid some of the potential downsides. My thought was, all right, think of your avatar of a kid who's going to rent a one bedroom apartment in college, right? <laughs> so it's either your, you know, exchange student who doesn't know anybody and wants to live alone. It's probably more of a bookish person or it's like a grad student, uh, you know, your, your four bed, two bath units, that's where the keggers going now, not in the one bedroom, one bath. So that's, that's why I purchased the one bedroom. But what I'll tell you is in this world of COVID, my, my property manager, they're called Sammy student apartment, Mark Inc in uh, normal Illinois. I cannot say enough cool things about them. Uh, I have a call with them pretty regularly. And on this COVID stuff, you know, the one bedrooms and the two bedroom units are still renting really, really well, but because of social distancing and things like that, you know, the threes and the fours aren't going so well. So if you're dependent on per room rentals on a four uh, bedroom apartment, you know, your NOI is busted right now, you know? So the, it's really, it's really worked out for, it's another happy accident. Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned that because right now I, I live in a four, four and I'm a, I'm a college student as well. And I didn't even really think about the, the kind of property you bought, which is four units, but just one bedroom, one bath. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's now kind of thinking it because the traditional way, at least I think about student housing is either you buy a house and you rent it out by the room and you have like five people in there and you're making a lot more money than if you just did a traditional long-term rental out of there or just kind of a, a traditional two bedroom, one bath, maybe three or four bedrooms apartment. But it's interesting. And when you said it, I started to laugh a little bit because the, the type of person that would live in that type of apartment it's it's so true what you said it's someone that you shouldn't be scared of from a rental perspective you know breaking your things they're 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 living they're living alone for a reason it's not it's not a bad thing by any means it's just kind of either their personality their experience where they are in life and and it takes away a lot of the fears that I think a lot of people have about student rentals finding a property Mm kind of like you did yeah, it, I mean, it's 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 worked out really, really well. And I'll tell you that fourplex, I, I mean, I was shaking in my boots to do that fourplex before I did it, you know, and it's it's just like anybody that that in this in this world of, you know, you get so scared. This this fear cripples so many people in terms of, you know, what it is that they might do and just taking that one jump into something that was smaller. That's why I did it, because it was smaller, not because it was this brilliant investing idea, it just worked out that way, you know. Right. Yep. So where, so for that property now, Mm -hmm. I know you said that the, the single units are doing a lot better than some of your art, your other properties with a little bit more units. 
what's going on? Because for, for student rentals, we know that they sign either typically a year lease. Is that, is that what you have on your properties? Yeah. We aim for year leases, but if they want to okay. do just the school year, they pay an upcharge of $25 a month. Gotcha. Okay. And that kind of helps you cover your costs for the summer right. months in case you can't rent it out. Right. Exactly. So, so for that, for that four unit that we're talking about in particular, mm-hmm. how has that been? Have you been able to rent it out for the following school year already, or is it kind of too early? No. So again, that property manager runs my building like it's their business, you know? So they, they just plugged me right into their marketing plan and I'm just four more one bedroom units that they market. So, um, they are usually leased up an entire school year in advance, which is really cool in terms of like feeling like I'm, I'm going to be sure that I have people in there. Right. So I, I really like the way that they, they do that. Phenomenal. So catch us up to speed of where you're at now. So you went from this, this four unit, you still have it. And mm-hmm. ca- can you kind of tell us where you are now in, in your real estate uh, journey? Yeah, sure. So um, I look at things a little bit differently than, you know, many, you know, larger building buying people. Um, the way that I, I'm a single mom. So like in terms of like leaving my job and taking huge risks, like I'm, I'm a little more risk adverse than most. Right. So I, I had this epiphany, like probably a year ago that, um, all right, these syndications, these larger purchases, like they, they make a lot of sense in terms of, you know, driving NOI, potentially refinancing, pulling out cash, rolling it into something else. There's a lot more scale, all of that hullabaloo. Right. But if, um, if I can't give all of my time to that, or I can't, you know, build, I, I, I was talking to a number of my contemporaries that were big time syndicators. Like, how do you know when you can leave your job, right? Like, how is that something that, how are you roadmapping that? And basically what they told me is, well, I'm getting this acquisition fee. I'm getting this disposition fee. I can kind of roadmap exactly what I can depend on. And I mean, I'm a sales rep, right? So I know the energy with which I show up when I'm hitting my quota in a big way. And I know the energy I show up when I'm way behind and I'm like, please buy this, please buy. You know what I mean? Like, I never want to be in a position that I have to do a deal to feed my kid. So right. my, the way that I look at things is I've got two buckets. I've got this bucket that is my security bucket. That is my fourplex and, you know, a sixplex and some single families totaling 22 units. And that cash flow now brings in enough money to cover all my bills plus some buffer. So, you know, when I decide that um, my day job isn't fun anymore, then I can make the choice to, you know, just go full bore into this real estate stuff because I have this floor of earnings from my security bucket. And then I've taken on uh, a couple of partners who were building a footprint as joint ventures in Indianapolis. And, you know, those are larger units. So that's, that's more of a swing for the fences type of thing. So that's in my growth bucket. So now I kind of have this freedom because I know that I'm never going to have to do a deal. I'm only doing deals because it's a really good deal. Yep. Love that. Love that you mentioned that and super important. So do you have a, a goal of you don't need to share, but of, of a certain amount of units, certain amount of income until you want to quit your job. Did you have a, any target like that? So um, we talk a lot about how many units do you have? How many doors do you have? Right. Like that's just the nature of our, right. you know, how we do things <laughs> in this world. And I mean, I'm, I'm banging tables a little bit. 
because, um, you know, I feel like the one thing that's the most important to you that, that you talk about a lot um, is at this pyramid. It's at the peak of the pyramid, because if the thing that matters most to you is how many doors does it have versus how much cash flow does it bring in, you're going to do a very different deal, you know? Right. So the thing that matters to me is cash flow and that cash flow goal that I have, I actually, you know, I couldn't figure out exactly how to make that granular because any problem that seems big and weird because you have no information right. seems big and weird because you have no information. If you can really put a number to something and make it like, you know, in our aspiring women thing, like we had a call on, I don't know, whatever, a couple of Fridays ago. And a woman's like, I can't quit my job. I don't have healthcare. Well, have you ever priced it out? And she showed up the next week and she's like, it's like $300. is not a reason to quit your job, right? So in order to make that uh, big problem more granular, I made a little calculator that I'd be happy to share so that we can put in the notes and everything. And basically it helped me figure out my spending, what I'm gonna need to feel comfortable, what my like big audacious, like I wanna belong to a jet club and I wanna Range Rover. So like, what do I need in order to make that happen? You know, and I have hit the cash flow requirements for, for my life to be able to leave my job. I just like my job. So I'm still doing so. <laughs> right. Love it. And that, that's the most important thing is as long as you like what you're doing, that, mm-hmm. that that's super important. Totally. So is there yeah. any last thing you want to mention before we move on to the big four? Um, you know, I, so many of, it's so fun to listen to these things. So whoever's listening to this, like it's, it's neat to hear like, oh my gosh, this person did all this stuff and it's so neat. And oh, I'm, I'll never do a 53 unit. That's like, right. But I mean, I'm 0% special, 0%. I just keep trying that next right thing. And I refuse to stop trying. So, you know, if you are listening to this in your car and you're like, oh, well, I'll never get there, but that's really neat. You know, I, I challenge you to figure out what the next right step is to actually get towards purchasing something. It doesn't need to be crazy expensive. It doesn't need to be a $4 million building. It could be a hundred thousand dollars single family home, or you know what? In 2016, that fourplex was $120,000 and now it throws off $1,100 a month cash flow. So, you know, figure out that next right step to actually get to action. And if you figure out uh, whatever the, the, you know, worst case scenario is, and you can get comfortable with the worst case scenario, then you should feel a lot more comfortable taking that action because you know, the, the big scary animal because you quantified it. Love it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're listening to this, you got to definitely go back, rewind the last minute of that. That was, that was, you, you, you nailed it, Mandy. Thanks Bailey. So we're now going to move on to the next section of our show, which is the big four, where we ask all of our guests, the same four questions. So number one, what's your number one habit for success? Mm, I love this one. So um, I'm a single mama. I've got, you know, a, a pretty demanding day job and now, you know, a portfolio that I'm, I'm really proud of building my, my legacy, right? So that is a lot of stuff, right? right? That's, that's all of the things. So um, time blocking has really become the one thing, time blocking and batching. So um, there's a lot of of really good books around this, like deep work that, you know, if you're this idea of multitasking, it's a lie, you know, because you think you're getting stuff done, but your brain is really just switching from thing to thing. And there's these micro switches that require extra time. You're not getting as much done as you think. So if you can time block and batch, I have another little video on that, if you're interested, um, that, you know, that is how I get stuff done. 
Amazing. Yeah. And I, I learned about the difference between multitasking, but what is really called a switch tasking because your brain's yeah. actually switching between all these things and then you're really getting nothing done or things done a lot slower. So yes, it's that. like playing whack-a-mole in your brain. Remember <laughs> that game? <laughs> so number two, limiting beliefs are thoughts in our heads that hold us back from realizing our potential. What is one limiting belief that you were able to crush and how did that impact your life? Mm, I, um, this sounds very Tony Robbins and I went all the way down the Tony Robbins rabbit hole. So Love, we probably yep. talk about that offline too. So here's my two millimeter tattoo. Even I'm not far down the rabbit hole, but um, so my, you know, in, in these seminars, you end up going through a lot of limiting beliefs. Right. And I think the one that changed my life the most really was, you know, that, that why me, right? Like I'm, I'm just some farm girl who like, I don't belong. I don't belong in real estate investing, especially like commercial real estate investing, because if you look at the landscape of commercial investors, there ain't a lot of ladies, right? So, um, you know, that I couldn't do it, that I didn't belong. And, you know, as soon as I realized, but wait, like I have a pretty significant business background. I know how to look at numbers. I, I know how to run smaller properties, you know, that, you know, taking a chance on my belief in myself was really changed everything. Super important. So important. Mm -hmm. So number three, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to invest actively Mm -hmm. in real estate for their first time? Mm -hmm. I, we kind of went through a little bit, but I'll tell you what, like you just, if you're looking to do it, you know, you've got to get to a point you have that you trust the amount of knowledge that you have and then you got to jump and if that jumping seems too scary figure out you know whatever two things if that jumping seems too scary you've got to figure out two things one you know is there a way to do this on maybe a smaller scale so that i can work that muscle because once you've it's it's a muscle like anything else once you get through break through that fear you realize oh my gosh i didn't buy you know, and it's, it becomes much easier the next time. And, you know, one thing that really helped me is whenever I look at numbers of a, um, a property, um, I, I analyze it, you know, with good conservative, uh, conservative assumptions. I look at it best case scenario, and then I look at worst case scenario. And if I can get comfortable with that worst case scenario, then why wouldn't I do it? Right. Yeah. Super important looking at the best case. And that's what kind of gets you super excited about it. Mm-hmm. But then also the worst case where, you know, if, you know, it doesn't go according to the best case scenario plan. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have the backup and you, you know that, all right, it's not going to be as bad as, as maybe the nightmares or, or what I thought before. Right. Exactly. So number four, what is your favorite real estate business or personal development related book? Mm. I made it a goal in 2017 to read a book a week wow. and I ended up doing a hundred. So now I've done a hundred books every year since 2017. So I have a whole list, Holy moly. Of this, <laughs> in, uh, which I'll, I'll give you that link too, if you're interested, but um, you know, in terms, it, it totally depends on where you're starting from. You know, if you're a college kid, you know, I I've got to give a big shout out to set for life by Scott Trench. Um, you know, just a, it's a complete roadmap for how to, you know, really step-by-step house hack, you know, gain your runway in order to be able to, to really be set for life. But I have, I have a whole list and it it all depends on where you're at and what you're looking to do. Love it. Yeah. Please. If if you're able to share the list, I'm happy to link it below in the show notes for the listeners. Mm -hmm. 
and I, and selfishly, I, I want to take a, I want to take a look, <laughs> a, a look at the list as well, because my, my book list is always growing and I, I just love books. So mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. And, and Mandy, last thing, where can the listeners get a hold of you? Yeah. Very best place to get a hold of me, uh, mandymcallister.com. There's lots of information on the Aspiring Women Achieving More group. We started it about a year ago on Facebook. We're at 1900 members now. Wow. So uh, we, we're, we're really proud of the um, accountability club that meets every Friday. Women are doing really cool things there. And uh, you'll learn a little more about, you know, if you'd like to get pre-qualified to potentially invest in a subsequent deal. Uh, we'd love to chat with you about that too. Fantastic. Well, Mandy, it was a pleasure having you on the show today, talking about the small multis, super, super, super important. Think big, start small, you know, can't thank you enough for coming on. So thanks for adding value. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website www.baileykramer.com. We'll see you next time.